There are a lot of things that matter to me. Family, community, culture, and peace of mind. Hi, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and when balancing life, I have to say nothing brings more comfort than having support. And when it comes to ensuring those things that matter to you the most, State Farm offers the support with an agent available in person or on the phone to discuss your coverage options. Support when you need it, however you choose. That's State Farm's way. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. The Florida Keys evokes images of a laid-back island life. Beautiful sunsets, fresh seafood, and a social scene that revolves around the ocean. But behind that picture postcard lays a seedy criminal underbelly. It's a maritime smuggling route to the mainland, so a lot of times it, it's not unusual for a package of drug or bail of either marijuana or cocaine to fall off a boat and to wash up in the Keys. But when a square grouper of cocaine floats into your life, you must decide what to do next. They took it home, unloaded it. He decided to use his friends, who are also you know, known in the local drug trade, to break it down into smaller amounts and, and deal it in the streets of the Upper Keys. However, in the illicit drug trade, disagreements between business partners don't get settled with lawsuits in court. He found the two bodies of Terrazado and, and Carlos Ortiz, and they were both shot once in the head. The, the kids were actually playing in the, in the bedroom where their mother's uh, boyfriend were lying dead. Hi, I'm Joey Dowd. And I'm Kareem Tapsh. Beaches, nightlife, and tropical weather may be what folks imagine when they think Florida. But as Miami natives, we like to say that South Florida is a sunny place for shady people. Each week, we'll bring you a new episode of a true crime case committed right under the Florida sun. From the outrageous to the utterly bizarre. Think you've heard it all? Think again. This is Paradise Lost, Prime in Miami. Friday, October 16th, 2015. It was a rainy afternoon in Tavernier, a small community near Key Largo, Florida. Travis Cavadis looked at his security camera and noticed an odd sight. Three young kids walking around outside alone in the rain. These kids weren't strangers. They were his neighbor's children whom he babysat many times before. When he walked outside, they rushed to him. What they said next was shocking. He noticed uh, little children playing in the yard next to him, and he asked where the parents were. 
and they told him that they were uh, that the parents were dead inside the house. That's David Goodhue, a reporter for the Miami Herald who covered the story. When Travis asked if he was sure, the young boy said there was blood. Travis went inside the house where he found a horrific scene. He found the two bodies of uh, Terrazano and, and Carlos Ortiz, and they were uh, both shot once in the head. And then he, 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 was, he was the one to called the police. Tara Rosado and her boyfriend Carlos Ortiz were both dead, lying in a pool of blood. Even more horrific, the murder happened the previous night. The three children had been left alone with their murdered mom for about 14 hours. When the children first discovered the bodies, they sat near the bed and cried. Their pit bull puppy walked through the pool of blood and left little bloody paw prints around the house. Two of the kids grabbed crayons and paper and drew two cross-shaped headstones. Beneath it, they wrote, rest in peace, mom and Carlos. South Florida is a place known for people looking to get a fresh start, and the Florida Keys are no different. Tara Rosado was from New York. She came from a very close family up in Staten Island, New York. Tara had struggled with substance abuse. She had been married since 2010 to Juan Rosado, who was the father of her three children. But in October of 2014, after Juan was investigated for threatening the children, she filed for divorce. Her parents bought the double-wide trailer home for her, hoping it'd give her a fresh start. Her parents actually asked her or tried to get her to move to the Keys because she had some really bad relationships in the past. They, they wanted her to move in there so they could kind of get her on her feet and put her on a, on a more straight and narrow path, a more stable life for the kids. Shortly after moving to the Keys, she got into a relationship with Carlos Ortiz. Carlos was handsome and outgoing. He had a talent for sketching and wanted to be a tattoo artist. But he was an addict, and he had a rap sheet. He'd been arrested for everything from marijuana trafficking to armed robbery. Carlos Ortiz, he was kind of a low-level criminal in the Keys, had a criminal record. He um, was a minor drug dealer and tattoo artist. Travis Cavadas, Tara's neighbor, knew Carlos's backstory. He also knew Carlos would deal drugs out of her house. He tried to warn her, but Travis said Tara thought she could change him. Let's take a step back for a second and talk about where Tara and Carlos live, the Florida Keys. You've probably heard of Key West. It's the biggest and most famous key and where all the cruise ships go. It's also had its share of famous residents, including Jimmy Buffett and Ernest Hemingway. But it's the end of a chain of keys, or small islands, that run for about 120 miles off the southern tip of Florida. Key Largo is the northernmost island, and Key West is the southernmost. In between, there are dozens more small keys. And I just have to say, the drive down across all the keys is one of the most scenic road trips you can ever do. Two-lane road, where in some spots you'll just be surrounded by the Atlantic Ocean, especially on the Seven Mile Bridge, which is one of the longest bridges in the country. The Florida Keys evoke images of boats, fishing, sunshine, and a general laid-back lifestyle where there's nothing to worry about. Mostly a small town fishing feel to most of the Keys and fishing, other activities that go on there, a very big scuba diving, boating community. Tara and Carlos lived in the northern part of the Keys. 
This was in a town called Tavernier, which is an unincorporated Monroe County, right north of Isla Morada and south of Key Largo. For a small, sleepy beach town, the murder sent shock through the community. The murders actually had a deep impact in the Keys. Crime is not uncommon in the Keys, like drug crimes, very common, theft. But for the most part, it's not known as a violent place. Murder is very rare. So people were very shocked when this happened. This was the first double murder to happen in the Keys since 1992. Travis feared for his safety. He bought a gun and stayed up late into the night watching his surveillance cameras. Now, despite the sunshine and beaches and Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville vibe, this story highlights the issue of drugs in the Keys. Drugs are pretty prevalent in the Keys, unfortunately. The Keys has a, has a reputation as kind of the place people go to party, but there's also an under underbelly to all that where um, where you have a lot of working class people, anywhere teenagers to older adults who are addicted to drugs. It's a pretty substantial problem. And it's not just drug use that's an issue. The Keys in South Florida are prime smuggling routes for cocaine and marijuana from South America. Just as recently as August of 2021, the U.S. Coast Guard made their biggest seizure of illegal narcotics in history. Over 60,000 pounds of drugs smuggled in ships worth $1.4 billion. Because of its vast coastline and active boating scene, it's not unusual for a fisherman or beachgoer to find a kilo of coke or marijuana. People finding drugs is, is fairly common in the Keys. It's a maritime smuggling route to the mainland, so a lot of times it, it's not unusual for a package of drug or bale of, of either marijuana or cocaine to fall off a boat and to wash up in the Keys. These floating bundles of drugs have a nickname. They're called square groupers. In just two years, between 2015 and 2017, at least 600 pounds of drugs were found by boaters and bystanders, worth north of $5 million. And that's just what was reported. Who knows how much was kept and resold on the black market? And that right there is the question many people face each year when they unexpectedly find a square grouper. For a fisherman, one kilo could be worth more than they'd earn in an entire year. But of course, you'd have to know what to do with it. Well, if you're already familiar with the drug business and you had a way of unloading the drugs when you found them, yes, a fine like this would be like uh, winning the lottery. You're talking could be anywhere from a quarter to half a, half a million dollars worth of, worth of drugs on the street. Uh, now, the, the average person finds drugs, which ha- like, does happen all the time. They turn it into the police. I mean, first of all, it's the right thing to do. And second of all, the average person wouldn't know what to do with it. Carlos Ortiz, however, was the type of guy who'd know exactly what to do with an unexpected discovery of cocaine. Police looked into his connections in the drug trade for clues as to who murdered him and Tara. Carlos was well-known associate of people who were in the local drug trade. So they started looking into his people he hung out with, uh, his friends, business partner, and then they, they were able to start getting leads that way. Less than five months later, on March 31st, 2016, police arrested two men, Jeremy McCauley and Adrian Demblons. Two fishermen, they found their own square grouper floating in the middle of the ocean. What happens next would lead to a series of events that involves the criminal underworld of the Florida Keys and ends in Tara and Carlos shot dead in their home.
I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling, and it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together, and that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi, I'm Freddie Prince Jr., and on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, we know how important it is to have the right teammate, because things can get pretty tricky quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, State Farm gives you options. They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. One of the things that matters to me? Sharing memories and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Jeremy McCauley was born in 1983 in St. Petersburg, Florida. He had a difficult upbringing. At the age of 16, he was convicted of felony burglary and sentenced to two years in prison. After he got out, he moved to Key Largo with his mom and started over as a fisherman. Jeremy McCauley was a fishing mate on a boat called the Seahorse Charter Boat out of Whale Harbor Marina in Isla Morada. He also was known to be, you know, deal in drugs on, on a lower level. Macaulay got married and had two kids, including a boy with autism. He was known as the devoted parent who did everything he could for his children. Now, as David mentioned, Jeremy was the first mate on a fishing boat called the Seahorse. The captain is Rick Rodriguez. In June 2015, they're out on a charter ship when they make a life-changing discovery. Then one day when he was out fishing with his boss, they had a charter. They came across floating in the water a, a large amount of cocaine, like several, like more than a dozen kilos of cocaine. According to the Miami New Times, it was 33 pounds of cocaine, worth over $500,000 on the street. 
There was a video of Jeremy saying, um, you know, with the drugs in the background and some cash saying, you know, almost kind of acting like it was a rap video bragging about the the money and, and, and the dope. Somehow they managed to get it to shore. Whether the people that hired the boat that they knew about it, I don't understand how they wouldn't know about it, how, how they would not see that amount of drugs get on board. But they took it home, unloaded it. He decided to use his friends who are also, you know, known in the local drug trade to break it down into smaller amounts and, and deal it on, in, in the streets of the Upper Keys. That's where Carlos Ortiz enters the story. Jeremy was friends with Carlos and knew he knew how to move drugs. Jeremy also recruited some other men to help sell the drugs, including Adrian Demblons. Adrian has a twin brother named Christian. The Demblons were a bit of an anomaly as far as who you expect to find in the drug trade of the Upper Keys. They came from a well-to-do Cuban-American family that ran a successful investment firm. Adrian Demblons, he was a twin with his brother Christian Demblons. They actually come from a well-to-do family in Miami-Dade County. They went to expensive private schools, then I think went to FIU, um, were good wrestlers, uh, and then, but fell into the, in, into, the, into the life of crime, became drug dealers themselves. They had plenty of cash from their family and no need financially to deal drugs, but both brothers had a history of weed and cocaine trafficking charges. It's not clear if Christian was involved in selling the drugs Jeremy found, but Adrian and Carlos definitely did. As they sold the drugs, Jeremy wasted no time taking advantage of the influx of cash. He bought a new truck and some gold necklaces. Carlos also benefited. Jeremy rented out a storefront, and together they became business partners in Carlos's longtime dream of opening up a tattoo and smoke shop. He was going to call it Ink Your Dreams. That's dreams with three Zs. But the new cash and easy access to drugs wasn't a great recipe for Carlos's addiction problems. Steele Hancock, a friend of his, noticed his increased drug use in September and October of 2015. He said Carlos was using cocaine, pills, and heroin. When police later asked Steele about what drugs Carlos was using, he said it would probably be easier to name what drugs he wasn't using. Carlos ran out of money and needed more to open up his shop. Even worse, according to the New Times, he was using the cocaine he was supposed to be selling. He decided to press Jeremy for more money, or threatened to go to the cops to turn him in. In reports from the Miami Herald, Carlos had told Steele his plans to extort Jeremy for more money. High on morphine and oxycodone, Steele said Carlos looked like he hadn't slept in days. Ortiz kept uh, calling up Jeremy that he wanted more money and he didn't think he was getting enough money from the sale of the drugs. So he kept pretty much, you know, psycho calling him and, and text and psycho texting him over and over again saying, you know, I want, you know, I want more money. He texted Jeremy a series of threats, including a copy of the video of Jeremy celebrating the find on the boat, which he warned he would send to the police if he didn't get more money and drugs. Investigators say that's what ended up, I mean, that, that's what led to the murders. The night of October 15th, Jeremy got Adrian to borrow a friend's gray SUV. The two were dressed in all black. Jeremy finally agreed to meet him and he, he, he sent him a text saying he'd be at his house. He and, according to the police, 
Adrian Demblange drove him, drove Jeremy over to the house in on Cuba Road in, in Tavernier. Jeremy went inside while Adrian stayed in the car. That's when he shot Carlos and Tara, each in the head one time. Jeremy went inside, and that's when he shot Tara and, and uh, Ortiz, once each in the head. As for why he killed Tara, it just seemed to be a matter of unfortunate circumstances. Tara, police said, was basically in, in the wrong place at the wrong time. She happened to be there when Macaulay walked in the house and, and was looking basically to to shut up Ortiz, and she happened to be there. You know, luckily, the, you know, he didn't, he didn't harm the children. Fortunately, Tara's three children were in another room and didn't witness the murder. But they'd remain with the dead bodies for nearly 14 hours until Travis discovers them the next day. After killing Carlos, Jeremy does grab one thing of his, his iPhone. When Adrian Demblons was driving Jeremy away from the murder scene, they uh, encountered it. There's a, they're in a, in a neighborhood road, and the, one of the roads goes over over a canal, and they threw both the 45 pistol used in the murder and the cell phone, that one, one of the cell phones that Ortiz had in the, in the room with him into the canal. This cell phone had Carlos's messages to Jeremy, threatening to reveal his drug activities. It also had the incriminating video. However, shortly after the murder and tossing the phone and gun, they had second thoughts about their tactics in hiding the murder weapon and incriminating evidence. Jeremy paid Adrian to go diving in the canal and try to recover the gun and phone. After the murders, Adrian Demblons was is a scuba diver like a lot of other people in South Florida. So he said, you know, we have to go get the gun. So Adrian Demblons um, borrowed a neighbor's uh, underwater metal detector and went into the canal and went looking for the gun and did not did not find the gun. A uh, young woman he was with in the car said when he came back into the car, when he got out of the water, he was very frustrated, cursing that he, you know, he couldn't find what he was looking for, which at the time she didn't, she, he never told her it was a gun they were looking for, but she knew it was something. And then once, she, you know, later on, she told police that he must have been looking for the gun because he was very upset when he didn't find it. Three weeks after the murder, police caught a break in locating the gun thanks to a snorkeler. A woman who was visiting her brother and was swimming in the canal spotted the gun in the crystal clear water, according to David. She saw the gun lying on the, on the, on the floor of the, or the canal's floor. The police, almost in the exact same location, they found the gun. They, they, were, they found Carlos Ortiz's uh, iPhone also on the, on the floor of the canal. That, that phone had all the, most of the incriminating evidence, the messages, the, the video of, of Jeremy bragging about the, the drugs, and more importantly, the, the text messages from Carlos Ortiz threatening to go to the police if he didn't get more money from Jeremy McCauley. The text messages also included messages from Jeremy telling Carlos he was heading over to his house the night of the murder. In addition to the video, Carlos's photo albums had incriminating pictures of Jeremy's drug dealing. Police were able to connect Adrian to the murder through the cooperation of the friend who loaned Adrian her SUV, which they drove to Carlos's house. That same SUV was also in Travis's surveillance footage. In March of 2016, Jeremy and Adrian were arrested. Some of Jeremy's family came to his defense. His wife posted on Facebook saying he couldn't have committed the murder because he was with her. His mother also wrote a letter to Circuit Court's Judge Luis Garcia, 
basically saying he wasn't organized enough to plan out something like this. Jeremy's mother actually wrote a letter to the judge in the case after the murders that her son didn't possess the intellectual capability to have carried out such a crime. Not, not to plan it, let alone uh, pull the trigger, but also that he wasn't smart enough to pull off orchestrating the whole thing. Now, there's one person involved in the story who remains conspicuously absent from any criminal charges. Rick Rodriguez, the captain of the seahorse who was believed to be on the boat when Jeremy found the floating cocaine. He said he had no knowledge of any of the drug dealings, but the Miami Herald also reported that he was not very cooperative with police. The Monroe County Sheriff, uh, Rick Ramsey, unsolicited when we called him about the arrest, said that Rodriguez was up to his neck in the crime and absolutely knew about the drugs. Rodriguez always denied this, but it was never, it could never be explained how that large amount of drugs would be able to be brought onto his boat and brought to shore without him knowing about it. Remember, it was 33 pounds of drugs that they found, enough to fill a duffel bag. By the time arrests were made, the drugs were gone, they were sold, so that the police were never able to pin anything on him. As Jeremy and Adrian awaited trial, Adrian's twin brother, Christian, was arrested in September of 2016 during an undercover sting operation for trying to buy heroin. While in county jail, he briefly shared a cell with a man named Eric Lansford. In October, Lansford went to police and prosecutors with an explosive story. He said Christian confessed to him that he was the trigger man behind Carlos and Tara's murders and that Jeremy McCauley had nothing to do with it. I love sharing positive tips with my listeners on everything from health challenges to relationship troubles. Because life happens, baby, but you got this. Hi there, I'm Honey German, and I know we can all use some positive energy these days. That's why I make sure to empower my community because a bit of motivation and support can go a long way. And luckily, we have State Farm to support us. Like when you talk to a State Farm agent to choose the coverage you need and they have the options to protect the things you value most. It's the perfect positive tip you need. State Farm is also a big supporter of the My Cultura podcast network, where we as podcast hosts get to share our experiences and stories. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. 
So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Jeremy McCauley and Adrian and Christian Demblon are all in county jail awaiting trial. Jeremy and Adrian for the murder of Tara Rosado and Carlos Ortiz. Christian for unrelated drug charges. Christian Demont's cellmate, Eric Lansford, also known as Bama, comes forward with an explosive reveal. He told Bama that he was actually the, the trigger man and he was and that his brother was taking the fall for the crime because they were very close. They are twins. The police had reason to find Lansford, a, a credible witness, because he really had nothing to lose by becoming a jailhouse snitch, because he was serving time for a robbery, I believe, and he was done, basically, by the time he went to the police to tell him that what Christian had told him. So there was he had, he had nothing to gain by going to the police. There were no deals that he could have made to lessen his sentence. He was He was at the tail end of his sentence anyway. He said that what compelled him to go to the police was that Christian said that had he known that the kids were in the house, he would have killed them too. And he said he, could, he, he just found that shocking and therefore found his confession to him credible and also, you know, worth telling the police because he thought it was such a horrible thing to say. In a story from the Miami Herald, one of Ortiz's best friends said this new version of events made sense. He said he had seen Carlos get into arguments at a barbershop with the Demblons twins and that they didn't like each other. Eric Lansford was going to be Jeremy's defense attorney's star witness until the criminal underworld of the Florida Keys unleashed its power of persuasion. Lansford was scheduled to come down from Alabama and testify in the trial and recount that conversation that he had with Christian. But he said, you know, at the last hour, at the, at the last minute, he refused to come to Florida because he said he was getting phone calls threatening his life if he actually came down to testify. Oh, any idea where these phone calls would have come from or who would have been threatening him? The phone calls could have come from anyone. They, the, the Upper Keys, Key Largo, Isla Mirada area, it's, it's, it's basically a small town. Everyone knows each other and there, there is a, there's an active drug trade. You could see where someone wouldn't want him coming down to say that. From the time the drugs were brought in to the time they were broken down into small packages and then being sold to the time of the murder, it involved basically the, the who's who of, of the drug world in the Upper Keys. So it, for him to come down and testify, it could have opened up a, a, a whole Pandora's box for the, the, uh, those involved in the, in the criminal world in the, in the, in the Key Largo and Isla Mirada area. So there, you could see where it's definitely believable he got that phone call not to come down and testify. Even though Eric Lansford didn't feel safe enough to come down to Florida from Alabama to testify, he did have a sworn statement of what he heard. And the audio from his statement was recorded. Now, when he didn't come, when he refused to, to hop on a plane and come down to testify during the trial, Jeremy's attorney, Ed O'Donnell Sr., wanted to use that sworn statement, that recorded sworn statement, as in lieu of the testimony, and the, the judge would not allow it. 
According to David, the judge said even though it was a sworn statement, it was not testimony heard in court and couldn't be cross-examined. So it wasn't allowed to be admitted as evidence. Now Ortiz was trying to extort Macaulay, but it, going down this train of thought, if even though he's directly extorting Macaulay, if he did go to the police, would, would that ensnare Demblons in the in the in the case because they would start digging around? You know, if he's if he's directly extorting Macaulay, why would the Demblons go kill him? The small keys, Key Largo, Isla Mirada areas. It's 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 a small town and. It's basically an organized crime underworld. And if one of them goes down, if, you know, if Ortiz threatened to go, if Ortiz did make good on his threat, went to the police, if they got Macaulay, it would be a matter of time before the other, the others would go down as well. In April 2017, about a year after his arrest, Adrian Demblanc takes a plea deal. Adrian uh, pleaded guilty to accessory after the fact, and then he agreed to testify against Jeremy in open court. In return, instead of, you know, facing getting life in prison, he got a 10-year prison sentence. With Adrian testifying against Jeremy and Eric's testimony off the table, there wasn't much evidence left to defend Jeremy's case. Plus, there were the text messages from him to Carlos telling him he was heading over to his house the night of the murder. On November 16, 2017, the jury reached a quick decision on Jeremy McCauley's guilt. So in, in November 2017, jurors convicted McCauley of uh, the murders of Tara Rosado and Carlos Ortiz. He was also uh, convicted of armed robbery. And uh, Judge Luis Garcia sentenced him to two life terms in prison, plus 30 years for the armed robbery. However, this wouldn't be the end of Eric Lansford's testimony and alternate theory of who killed Carlos and Tara. In June 2020, the Third District Court of Appeal overturned the conviction based on the Lansford test or the lack of Eric Lansford's uh, testimony um, because the, the three-judge panel found that Judge Garcia should have let Lansford's um, sworn statement that he made to prosecutors and detectives stand in lieu of the uh, testimony since he would since he didn't show up. But he, even though he didn't show up, he still he still gave a sworn statement that Christian Demblons took credit for for the murder and not and Macaulay didn't have anything to do with it. But the third DCA basically said that the Monroe County judge should have let that um, sworn statement serve in lieu of the of testimony. Despite the murder conviction being thrown out, Jeremy was not released. He's back in a Monroe County jail awaiting a new trial. The date has not yet been set. I mean, just your personal opinion, which version do you think is the truth of who killed them? Yeah, as someone who's covered the case from from the beginning, and uh, I've actually even, you know, gotten to gotten to know the victims' families, um, I believe the police's version of events that Jeremy shot Tara Rosado and, and Carlos Ortiz, and that uh, Adrian Demblons was the getaway driver that night. As for Christian Demblons, he took a two-year plea deal for the heroin charge he was facing. 
Nearly a year after his release, he was arrested again in August of 2019 on new drug charges, and then again in August of 2021 for recklessly driving while high on marijuana. This story has to rank uh, as, as the biggest murder case I've covered, certainly. Just certainly in terms of its brutality, but not just because of its brutality, because of everything else that it entailed. I mean, how it just destroyed families. It, it shook a small community that's not used to dealing with this kind of crime. This plot was something right out of a movie. Cocaine smuggling, charter fishermen, uh, extortion, everything. I mean, you, you almost couldn't make something like this up. Now, this didn't play into the outcome of the trial, but it's worth mentioning to highlight just how bad the drug issue is in the Keys. In May of 2017, the year of the trial, Travis Cavadis, the neighbor who discovered the kids the day after the murder, died of a heroin overdose, according to David. He was only 35 years old. Thank you for listening to Paradise Lost, Crime in Miami, where each new episode will bring you a true crime story right from the South Florida headlines. Paradise Lost, Crime in Miami is a production of Sonoro and Trojan Horse in partnership with iHeart's My Cultura Network. Hosted and produced by Kareem Tapsh, Joey Dowd, and Christian Hatar. Edited by Angelina Mosher Salazar. Fact-checking by Evelyn Uribe and Sara Mota. Engineering by Mane Parra, Daniel Padilla, and Fernando Galaviz. Executive produced by Jasmine Romero and Joshua Weinstein for Sonoro, Reem Tapsch and Alex Fumero for Trojan Horse, and Giselle Bansis and Kono Byrne for iHeart. Listen to Paradise Lost Crime in Miami on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You ever get the feeling the city walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating your soul? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe chase some elk, fish a private stream. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there, and finding your own piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, location, the kind of hunting or fishing you dream of. Land.com. It's where the adventure begins. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind, so you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else.